Crossway Church Sermon Audio. As I prayerfully considered the text of Scripture that I would preach from this morning, I really felt the Lord laid upon my heart, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 7. I don't know if it's projected, but if not, would you turn there in your Bible with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and this morning we'll be considering verses 1 through 7. I want to share with you about the grace of sacrificial giving. And from what I've heard, the extent of your giving that you do in a sustained way, I believe that this is certainly an appropriate message for you this morning. Please follow along as I read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by God, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful that we can gather this morning in this place on the ground of the finished work of Christ and we can be reminded of the truths of the gospel that we who were far from God have been brought near and we have been forgiven and we have been reconciled. And Father, we pray in this moment that you would open our hearts that we might hear what you would say to us from your word. Lord, you know where this church is collectively, and you know where each one is individually. And Lord, as only you can, would you speak in both ways to us as we are gathered this morning. Father, I pray publicly, as I have done privately, that you would anoint me by your spirit, that I be faithful to your word, to stay within the four corners of it. And Lord, I pray that all that is said and done will be for the good of this church and ultimately for the glory of your great name. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The letter of 2 Corinthians is one of the more difficult letters that the Apostle Paul wrote. 
And the letter was a difficult one because Paul, at the time that he was writing, had a strained relationship with the Corinthian church. And considering this strained relationship, it is interesting that the Apostle Paul would raise the issue of giving money and would call this church to give in an offering to meet a need that was far removed from them. And these verses before us, we see the Apostle Paul referring to the giving experience of the Macedonian churches as he sought to envision the Corinthian church and to encourage them in their own giving. And this morning I pray that these words of Holy Scripture will similarly envision us in our giving to the Lord. And especially when we are called upon to give to fund the Lord's work beyond our local church, and especially when we ourselves are faced with needs, as is the case of so many today, as our world faces inflationary pressures and economic downturns and economic uncertainty. And from this passage before us, we're able to see that the Apostle Paul was raising a relief offering for the benefit of saints who had significant material needs. From other passages of Scripture, we're able to determine that these needy saints were located in Jerusalem. And so they would have been predominantly, if not exclusively, Jewish, unlike the Macedonian churches whose members would have been predominantly, if not exclusively, Gentile. And in this we see the beauty and the power of the gospel to transform the hearts of people who otherwise would have been hostile towards one another. And we see coming through this transformation of the gospel, this sacrificial care and concern for people who were different and other than them. And as I think about it, there is a similarity in your giving beyond your local context to a church in the Bahamas, to people that some of you may never meet, certainly have, not, have never met. And it's because of the gospel that touches your heart and would transform your heart to have a concern for a need that is beyond your local setting. And that is a precious thing. It's something we don't take for granted. It's something that we give praise to the Lord for. But the Corinthian church had started to participate in this offering, and for some reason that's not stated in the letter, there was a pause in their giving. And here in this passage, the Apostle Paul calls them back. He makes a fresh appeal to them to complete the giving that they had started. And it is very instructive how he does so. Paul does not berate them for the pause in their giving. He does not try to manipulate them or to shame them to resume their giving. But instead, Paul calls the Corinthians to give and to give sacrificially. But far more than his call to them to give sacrificially is how he calls them to give sacrificially. That's far more important how he calls them to give. And from what he says, what we're able to see about sacrificial giving is that sacrificial giving is based on God's grace 
and in accordance with our means. And to put it another way, in two statements, what we see in this passage is that in order for us to truly give sacrificially, we need God's grace. And then second, sacrificial giving among God's people will always look differently because it is in accordance with their ability to give, which varies from person to person. And so now remaining time this morning, I want to consider with you these two realities about sacrificial giving in turn. And again, the first reality is that sacrificial giving is based on God's grace. This reality, brothers and sisters, is the foundational truth that the Apostle Paul builds his appeal to the Corinthian church upon. And yet it's easy to miss. When we consider the whole account of the sacrificial offering of the Macedonian churches, it's easy to draw the conclusion that Paul is using their sacrificial giving to motivate the Corinthians to give. But Paul doesn't do that. It would be a wrong conclusion to draw that Paul is trying to take the sacrificial giving of the, of the Macedonians and impose it on the Corinthians and say that they should give likewise. Indeed, Paul's own words refute such a conclusion. Notice again what he writes in verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. These opening words of the Apostle Paul are the foundation for his appeal. And he seeks to draw the Corinthians' attention to the grace of God among the Macedonian churches, not the giving of the Macedonian churches. And the reason is that Paul knows, and we should know, that personal example alone is not sufficient to enable God's people to give sacrificially. Brothers and sisters, it requires the grace of God. And that's where Paul directs the Corinthians' attention as he prepares to address them, to appeal to them to give. And it's where our attention should be directed as well this morning. Grace is a word that we encounter frequently in Scripture, especially in the New Testament. And almost always it refers to the saving grace of God, his undeserved kindness to undeserving sinners. But sometimes this word grace is used to refer to God's divine enablement, the way he empowers us to do what we otherwise would not be able to do, and therefore we do not do except for his enabling grace. And it's in this sense that the Apostle Paul refers to the grace of God that was given among the churches of Macedonia in verse 1. Paul highlights God's enabling grace as the basis for what he is going to share about the churches of Macedonia and how they gave in the relief offering. Paul goes on verse 2 to say that it was in a severe test of affliction that the Macedonian believers were giving the offering that they gave. And he says that it was from an abundance of joy and extreme poverty that overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. 
And this is a picture of material circumstances, financial circumstances that the Macedonian saints faced, and it really is a bleak picture. They were facing a trying situation. We don't get the details of it, but Paul refers to it as a severe test of affliction. And added to that, they were extremely poor. And yet surprisingly and amazingly, Paul says that in these difficult circumstances, the Macedonian saints had an abundance of joy and out of their difficult circumstances and their abundance of joy, their wealth of generosity overflowed. It's almost a picture of contradictions. Severe trials and abundant joy don't naturally go together. Neither do extreme poverty and a wealth of generosity. But all of these came together and all of these were true of the churches of Macedonia for one reason. The enabling grace of God that was at work among them. The enabling grace of God gave the Macedonian churches joy in their affliction and generosity in their poverty. Brothers and sisters, the situation among the Macedonian churches was such that the only conclusion one could legitimately draw from what they did in the circumstances they faced was that God's grace was at work among them. Such joy and affliction. Such generosity in, in poverty. God's grace had to be at work among them. I think we've all lived long enough to know that we are selfish by nature. And to truly give generously and joyfully out of our own need requires divine enablement. It requires the grace of God being at work in our souls to see beyond ourselves and our circumstances and our needs to be able to give to the needs of others in the midst of our own needs. And this is what the Apostle Paul was commending to the Corinthians as the foundational basis for his appeal for them to give. The grace of God that enables sacrificial giving even in affliction and even in poverty and not the example of the giving itself of the Macedonian churches. Paul wanted the Corinthians to know about the grace of God that had been given to the churches of Macedonia. From what Paul shares, we're able to see that the Macedonian churches were in such a state that Paul did not seem eager to even receive an offering from them. He and his fellow workers, they were reluctant and perhaps even unwilling at first to receive this offering. He tells us in verse 4 that the Macedonian churches begged them earnestly for the privilege, for the blessing of being able to take part in the relief offering to the saints. If Paul was appealing to them, if Paul was expecting them to give, they would have no need to beg to give. And so the implication is their circumstances were such that the Apostle Paul and his companions were reluctant to appeal to them in any meaningful way. And so we have this picture of these people in dire straits with extreme needs begging to give. 
And clearly they were not focused on their own needs that were evident to the Apostle Paul and his companions. In verse 5, Paul tells us that he and his companions didn't expect the Macedonians to give. Certainly didn't expect them to be begging to give. And so it was evident to Paul that the only logical reason for them to do what they were doing was the enabling grace of God that brought about such eagerness, such generosity, and such joy to give in the midst of their own affliction and in the midst of their own poverty. I think we all know that what happened among the churches in Macedonia doesn't naturally happen, not even among people who have significant and abundant material needs. And so, thinking about it a bit further, how were the Macedonians able to give so generously to the needs of others in the midst of their own personal affliction and their own needs? Yes, they did it because of God's enabling grace, But here in verse 5, Paul points to a practical outworking of that enabling grace that enabled them to give as they did. He tells us that the Macedonian churches first gave themselves to the Lord and then by God's will to him and his co-workers. And so what is Paul really saying? We know that the Macedonian Christians were the purchased possession of God through the blood of Jesus Christ, as are all believers. We know that. They belonged to him. We, who have been purchased by the blood of Jesus, we belong to the Lord. But for the Macedonians, the sense that they gave themselves to the Lord was Not in a saving sense, but in a serving sense. In the sense that they were giving themselves in the service of the Lord. And they gave themselves and all that they had into God's service. They gave themselves to the Lord in his service. However, he would choose to use them in their limited circumstances. And then Paul concludes that the Macedonian churches gave themselves to him and his companions by the will of God. Paul is saying that it was God's will, even in their limited circumstances, in the midst of their trials, in the midst of their difficulties, it was God's will that they would participate in the way that they were able to participate in this relief offering. They entrusted themselves to the Lord And then they entrusted themselves to Paul and his companions. And that is a beautiful and a sweet thing. In a day and age where so many people are fleeced and raped financially by those who bear the name of of Christ, it is a beautiful and a wonderful thing to see God's people entrust themselves to the Lord with the ability to give and then also entrust themselves to God's servants. And it is evident from what this church has done 
But you have done similarly. You've, you've entrusted yourselves to the Lord, but you've entrusted yourselves to the leaders of this church. Your generous giving is an expression of that trust. And I say to you, that's a rare thing and that's a precious thing. And I don't believe it's lost on your pastors that your giving is an expression of entrusting yourselves to them in the will of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, God's enabling grace is the foundation for sacrificial giving. And this is what Paul points out to the Corinthians, and it is what I want to point out to us this morning. Not the example of giving of the Macedonians, but the grace of God that was at work among them. And please hear me this morning when I talk about the the, the grace of God being at work to give sacrificially, I'm not primarily speaking to those who may find themselves in limiting financial circumstances. It's easy for us to think that it's harder for the poor to give sacrificially than it is for the rich. But in truth, the poor, because they are poor, almost always give sacrificially whenever they give because they give from such limited means. And this is the point that Jesus makes with the widow's might, the, the woman who gave so little her last in the face of others who were giving an abundance. And he said that she gave more than the others who gave. And it's in that sense that the rich, in order to be able to give in a sacrificial sense, they have to give with such greater measure. They have to give to such a greater extent in order to truly give in a sacrificial way. So it is not correct to think that it is harder for those who are poor to give in a sacrificial sense because they do that in such a natural way based on their circumstances. It is those of us who have more who find ourselves perhaps more challenged to give in a sacrificial way, to entrust ourselves to the Lord in such a way that we would give in ways that are sacrificial. But either way, whatever our circumstance, whether rich or poor, means or limited means or abundant means, we all need the grace of God to be able to give generously and sacrificially. And so I want to ask you this morning, based on where you are, based on your own circumstances, what would sacrificial giving look like for you? What would generous giving look like for you? What would it look like for the poorest person in the congregation? What would it look like for the wealthiest person in the congregation? And what would it look like for everyone else in between? What does sacrificial giving look like? Well, naturally, these questions lead to the second reality about sacrificial giving that we see in this passage, which is my second and final point. Sacrificial giving is according to our means. Notice again how the Apostle Paul points us to this aspect of sacrificial giving in verse 3. He writes, 
for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. Paul is making a very important point. And it's clear from verse 3 that he is not interested in manipulating the Corinthians to give by giving the impression that the Macedonian churches gave some miraculously enormous offering to the relief of the saints. Not at all. Paul has already pointed out that they gave in the midst of a severe test of affliction and in the midst of extreme poverty. And he's already pointed out that their circumstances were such that he and his companions were not eager to receive anything from them because of their limited circumstances. So it's obvious that the offering received from the Macedonian churches was not a large offering. It was not quantitatively large. We're able to see from verse 2 that it was certainly generous And verse 3, it was certainly sacrificial, but there's nothing that gives a hint that what they gave was large. And brothers and sisters, this is the important point. It was generous. And the important point is that all generosity is relative. It is relative to our means. What might be a generous amount for one person to give, that same amount would be far less generous for somebody else based on different circumstances. The same dollar amount from two different people in two different financial circumstances represents two different levels of generosity and sacrifice. And that's because generosity and sacrifice are not determined by the amount that we give. Instead, they are determined by our means, by our ability to give. So it appears that the Macedonians really didn't give much. Paul was not commending their offering to the Corinthians. Instead, he was commending their generosity and their sacrifice. Notice Paul also says that the Macedonians gave beyond their ability beyond their means. And all he means is that, he doesn't mean that they literally did that because we cannot do that. If we have a fixed amount, we we cannot give beyond that fixed amount. But what Paul was saying was that when you consider on its face what they gave in light of their circumstances, it is as if they gave more than they really were able to give. It's in that sense that they gave beyond their means. And to make it very clear that they were not manipulated and that he was not manipulating the Corinthians, he says in verse 3 that they did it according to their own accord. They did it on their own accord. And here we see a, a beautiful synergy between the grace of God that was upon the church and their own decisions that they were making in light of what was before them, this relief offering that they wanted to participate in. We get the sense of divine grace and human responsibility at work. They were not giving out of coercion and manipulation. 
And Paul goes on in chapter 9 to develop this point where he, he tells the Corinthians that they are to give as they have determined in their hearts. They're not to give out of compulsion or coercion. They're to give on their own accord as they have determined based on the grace of God that was at work among them and based on their means. And I imagine when we think of the reality of, of these churches, the Macedonian churches and all the saints among them, there would have been different levels to which they would have been able to give out of their extreme poverty because some would have obviously been more poor than others. And so, brothers and sisters, the same enabling grace of God to give sacrificially should be manifested differently in our acts of giving. So the size of our giving will vary. Indeed, it should vary because it is in accordance with our means and we all have different means. But while the size of our giving should vary, here's what should not vary. The smell on our giving should not vary. Our giving should have the smell of sacrifice. When we give together, when we, as you're doing, just, just giving month by month to these various initiatives, yeah, the sizes should differ. But by the grace of God, there should be a smell of sacrifice, a fragrance of sacrifice on all that is given. In verse 6, Paul transitions. And he now transitions from the basis of his appeal to the, the appeal itself. And he calls the Corinthian church to excel in the grace of giving as they excelled in everything else. Paul refers to this offering, this relief offering that was for the saints as an act of grace. It's an act of grace. It is an act of grace because it's selfless, it's self-giving, it's sacrificial, and it is rooted in the grace of God. And although we're not considering it this morning, Paul goes on to remind the Corinthians in verse 9 of the Lord's own self-giving sacrifice, how he gave himself for us, how he gave himself on Calvary's cross so that we who were spiritually dead in sins and trespasses and spiritually poor in God's sight might be made spiritually alive and spiritually rich and that our hearts would be transformed to consider the needs of others in the midst of our own needs and that we would entrust ourselves to the Lord and in his service to give generously and sacrificially to his work and by his grace and according to our means. And that is a testimony of Christ's work in our hearts and lives. Sacrificial giving is an act of grace. It is a mark that God has touched our heart by his own grace. And we respond in ways that we ordinarily, left to ourselves, would not respond. And so, brothers and sisters at Crossway Church, 
as you give to fund mission beyond this local church. May what was true of the Macedonian churches also be true of you. May it be true that the enabling grace of God to give sacrificially be at work among you, not just on this occasion, but in an ongoing way. And may it be true of you that each of you will give according to your means. And even though you will give different amounts, different sizes, that together, whatever you give will have the smell of sacrifice. And may that sweet smelling fragrance be acceptable to the Lord who is the one to whom we ultimately give. For more information, head to our website at crosswaypa.org.